now, all of you Tuesday morning pundits, it's time to pay close attention to all of those men and women on the campaign trail behind the curtain, the true wizards of our oddball democracy. And Todd Zwillick takes us there. You kind of don't want to show people what really goes on behind the scenes. We should start by prepping the governor with uh, Russian economic policy. You can't count how many times I've been across this state. You're the strategy guy. But you're the body man. I definitely carried a bag that's full of all the things that they could need. I got coffee, I got ginseng, I got protein bars. That's following them around with a camera, it's following them around with a microphone. We need to hire an operative to do research, you see what I mean? Just one poll. Those things aren't scientific. Maybe politics isn't for you. We have a campaign that we've got to win, you understand? It's a series all this week we're calling Road Warriors, Life on the Campaign Trail. And long before a candidate ever jumps onto a stage to screaming crowds, long before an aspiring senator appears in front of hay bales or admiring a butter sculpture at the Iowa State Fair, the advance team is there to make sure everything goes exactly right. And that means that people like Charlie Pierce are in control days, sometimes weeks ahead of the candidate. Charlie is a Republican advance man, and his job can mean anything from booking hotels to making sure the boss looks picture perfect in front of voters. He's worked on advance teams for Mitt Romney, for John McCain, and for Sarah Palin. And he says that advance has to think of everything that needs to go right and especially everything that can go wrong. So, you know, you start with trying to get your date, your location, what type of event it's going to be. Uh, and then once you get all that settled, uh, you start moving into the uh, the really mundane logistics of the event. You know, how many press are we expecting in attendance? And now you have to wire an internet and enough power and you got to decide how big of a crowd you want. And then you go into your event setup. What do you want your tight shot to be? That's the picture right behind the candidate. That's 90% of the, what television cameras use. And then what the wide shot's going to look like. And is it enthusiastic? And do you have people behind them and flags behind them? And the large campaign branding, whether it's the Believe in America slogan like we had or the, the new Romney logo with the specialty R. And then you get down to the, what's called the TikTok. So you walk through every second, every minute of Governor Romney's participation in the events. Let's talk about when things go wrong, because they can. There is a Romney event that's kind of famous in political circles around Washington, and I'm sure Boston these days, about when he appeared in a football stadium in Detroit. Can you explain what happened from your perspective at that event? To give you a little backstory, the RSVPs for the original venue they had for the Detroit Economic Club had just massively over exceeded what they were expecting. So the Detroit Economic Club heads wanted to switch it to doing the event on Ford's Field. Now, the optics of that, as our advanced teams knew, were that while 1,500 people could fit in the field, that there's 50,000 or so fixed seats surrounding the stadium that we were not going to fill. And so to be clear, Charlie Pierce, what happened was you had a shot from the field that made the candidate look like he was at a rally with 1,500 people, which is pretty good. But if you went up in the rafters, which reporters did and took a picture, it looked like Mitt Romney in Michigan, his dad's home state, his home state, was speaking in front of an empty stadium. Correct. And, and sometimes perception is reality. And, and just as a counter to that, neither could Barack Obama at this time in his, uh, <laughs> in his presidency. Maybe in the hype of, of 08, he was filling stadiums. But during the DNC convention, they had to take it out of a big stadium, I believe, in Charlotte, which they claimed for weather, but was clearly because they couldn't get the people. So I also want to talk about a time when things really seemed to go right for you. Now, when you were working for John McCain on his presidential campaign, you got tasked to do advance for his new vice presidential pick, somebody who was unknown, right? 
Correct. Yeah, I was uh, the vice presidential advance team was originally going to be more of a skeleton crew just to get whoever the vice presidential candidate was going to be to their fundraising events and and just more second tier level presidential style campaign events. Obviously, with Governor Palin, her crowds required some top level advance guys and I was fortunate enough to be at some unique moments in history as a site advance guy for her uh, vice presidential announcement event, which was really exciting in Dayton, Ohio. Governor Sarah Palin of the great state of Alaska. And her U.N. uh, trip to New York City during the U.N. General Assembly week. Now let's listen to a clip from a famous interview that Governor Palin did with Katie Couric. This wound up being a famous exchange that you had something to do with. Listen. It's very important when, when you consider even national security issues with Russia as Putin rears his head and, and uh, comes into the airspace of the United States of America. Where, where do they go? It, it's Alaska. It's just right over the border. Now, Charlie Pierce, that interview wound up to be very famous. It led to bits like this from Tina Fey. Every morning when Alaskans wake up, one of the first things they do is look outside to see if there are any Russians hanging around. (laughs) If there are, you got to go up to them and ask, what are you doing here? And if they can give you a good reason, they can, then it's our responsibility to say, you know, shoo, get back over there. Now, from the campaign's perspective, that turned into sort of a comedy meme, except the sets were all sort of recreated in popular culture afterward. Yeah, it was sort of bizarre, that room for the Katie Couric interview. It was actually surrounded by glass, so we had to bring in all this pipe and drape, and the team did a great job of really dressing it up. And, and then to a few days later, to, to, to watch pretty much Down to the Flowers recreated on SNL was pretty interesting. And Now, you also had a candidate in Governor Palin who didn't have any foreign policy experience at the time. You all went to New York around a UN conference and made her look like somebody on the world scene. Yeah, it's actually pretty simple. I mean, the, basically the format you want to use is that it's a, a tete-a-tete or a bilateral meeting. So it's Governor Palin uh, looking like a head of state meeting with another head of state. The difficult part was we were basically using hotel rooms across New York City and, and conference areas to bring in flags to and then get these setups lit and staged right so that it looked like we were just holding a series of meetings in the UN, even though we were in five to 10 different places scattered across New York City, mostly hotels. So from an optical perspective, that event was a big success for our advanced team. But but Charlie Pierce, let's talk about the downside of that. Do you ever have a concern that this takes something away from voters, that the showbiz of politics is an artifice that in a way is dishonest for any voter looking at a campaign? You know, I, I don't think so. And, and I, I used to actually think about that. And, and part of it, the reason I had some trepidations about doing this interview, you, you kind of don't want to show people what really goes on behind the scenes, right? The sort of the pulling the curtain back on the Wizard of Oz that, oh, what's going on? And, but at the same time, I think voters actually appreciate that more. And, and you, especially in this cycle, you can tell people come out to these rallies, they want to be energized, they want to be, you know, excited by something. And plain fact of the logistical matter is you can't travel between city and, and city with 120 press following you and just have a casual conversation with a voter. It's just a logistical impossibility. So you do have to stage or at least open things up to the public in a way that's that's safe and that everybody can come and enjoy themselves and still hear the candidates. And it's just sort of a necessary artifice of, of modern campaigns. And there are also moments for just real kind of you know, spontaneous, just really warm, heart heartening moments. And and, and those are the ones that I really look back to on the campaign. Hey, Charlie Pierce, thanks a lot. 
Thank you, Todd. Glad to be on. Charlie Pierce is a consultant with Pathfinder.gop, currently consulting with the Chris Christie campaign. He's worked on advanced teams for the John McCain and Mitt Romney presidential campaigns. For more stories with Charlie, including what it's like to overrule a presidential candidate on his hairstyle and how to steal a tie from Mitt Romney, visit thetakeaway.org. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex, of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.